What's up, y'all? I'm JJ McCorvey. I'm a journalist who writes about business and blackness. And I'm Shayna Watson, a fashion industry professional and writer with my eye on the social and cultural impacts of trends and style. And, and this, this is, is Yo business. business. Shine on a light from heaven, Lord. Shine, Shine on me. Actually, it's turn on the light. <laughs> what? That's what this... No? I didn't know that. Right? But that's what this thing says, that it's turn on the lights from heaven, Uh, which would make sense, because, like, how's it going to shine? You're right. Turn on the lights from heaven. (laughs) That's what it says. I don't know. But but he did that in the the beginning, didn't he? Turn on the lights? Turn on the lights already. They already on. That's true. He did say, let there be light. I don't know. Lessons learned, but... Um, No, my favorite part of that is... uh, the the black uh, alto at the end and she's just like riffing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I won't even attempt to do it, but yes. Amen! Amen! <laughs> Sherman Hemsley was like, is he an okay... I feel like I haven't heard awful things about him. Uh, I haven't either. Maybe he's like one we can just hold in our hearts. I'm just gonna pretend that he's, you know, I don't know anything. Like yeah. He's absolutely... Amazing. Hey, hey. Hey, how you be? I'm cool, cool. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. It was a good week. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of good. A lot of things happening. Got some some story ideas greenlit. Ooh. And uh, I'm going to be traveling for soon that I'm excited about. Very cool. And I've been loving doing your business every week. It just brings me so much joy. Mm-hmm. Yay. Are how you are ready you? to? Ho- oh. I don't have. You don't said have- cool, cool, but I just don't. You know. You know. But that's what I say when I don't want to talk. Right. So. I'm sending you emoji eyes via text right now. <laughs> let's just talk about, like, your week was good. Let's just. Let's rest in that. Let's rest in okay, that goodness. Then. Okay. Um. All right. You ready for your business? I'm ready. Okay. <sighs> so. <laughs> <laughs> that side that deleted. Every time you. uh, Yeah. I. What I've been burning to talk about um, all week is. um. Arlen Hamilton, uh, who is the uh, founder and um, partner of Backstage Capital, which is a a tech investment firm that uh, mostly invests in uh, founders uh, who are minorities or Mm -hmm. or women or LGBT. And so there was um, a scoop by the site Axios.com. about her fund, quote unquote, falling through. And the headline is Arlen Hamilton's Diversity Minded Investment Fund Falls Through. And so um, before I get into like why, you know, the article was such trash, um, I'll just give some backstory on Arlen. On Arlen. So she um, used to be in the music industry producing like tours and stuff. And she had always kind of wanted to get into tech investing. Um, she sent emails to the right people. She networked with the right people. She like she moved um, to uh, the Bay Area, slept in an airport for a little, for a little bit while she like took meetings and stuff um, from all the you know the rich white guys uh, who currently run um, uh, Silicon Valley, and um, and then just eventually like got her first. Um, big check to like go invest in other companies and um, she invested in some really you know she started off with like a hundred startups 
you know, some really, you know, good technologies and uh, products and missions uh, to do some good in the world. Um, and then she, uh, after she, after she depleted that fund, she went out to raise $36 million to invest specifically in black women uh, led companies. Awesome. And so that's the, that's what this article is referring to. So it says Axios has learned that Hamilton was unable to raise a new $36 million fund called backstage capital that she touted last summer. Um, Instead, Backstage has transitioned entirely to an accelerator model, Backstage Studio, and cut costs, parenthetical says, read layoffs in the process. Um, and it's just, <laughs> the and the last line of this, you know, this, this story that is basically just like, you know, a few bullet points. It says, Hamilton has a compelling biography and she has sought to do something laudable outside of Silicon Valley's pattern matching mold. But it's also true that tech media has been so thirsty for such stories that it may have put the cart before the horse attributing success to a work very much still in progress. So, (laughs) Oh, sorry. We're looking at each other over the mics. Because it's just like, y'all can't wait he it was such gleeful reporting. Like you he just seems so the the can't author wait to is, stamp a failure. The author is Kia Kokalicheva and Dan Premack, who was the one who was like actually in Arlen's mentions, like responded to people who were responding to her. Like you've wrote you've written a story. Like why are you also in her mentions? Ugh. It was just so gross and I guess my He's a white man. My, of course. So <laughs> my um my first issue with this story was that the the last line which was um tech media attributed to success to something in a uh, w- that is a work in progress. And it's like first of all for for what she has done already before this $36 million fund, that is a success. Already a success. Can, nowhere in the article does it say that she invested in 100 startups uh, m- many of whom are minorities. And also um, for for black people in tech, like visibility is a success. Like we don't get like we don't get hired, we don't get investment um, comparable to uh, to what's representational in the rest of the country. And for like, how long she's been doing this? Like, do we look at white companies in their first however many years no, and instantly call them failures? The answer is no. Right. We wait until they get to Zuckerberg level or Snapchat level until we start poking holes in it and saying, oh, well, right. the company's not well, why doing didn't so you do well. This? Yeah. Because we recognize that at the beginning, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs exactly. for white companies. We recognize that. Right. The other thing that, that was happening concurrent with that um, was the HBO documentary about Elizabeth Holmes and the inventor, which, uh, so Elizabeth Holmes um, is the founder of Theranos, which was that, um, that she they created machine well supposedly created machines that could like take all these diagnostic tests and and tell you all 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 these health factors about yourself based on like a pinprick of blood mm-hmm. and it turned out that the they were all the whole time they were using machines that were like another company's like they the machines didn't work right they had all these issues um uh, they said they could do a print prick, but then like people were going to like Walgreens to use the machine, and then they, they were taking like whole vials of blood. Oh, and so, and this woman was able, who was white and blonde, was able to like build up this like you know image, you know, and myth of herself, um, and raise seven hundred million dollars <laughs> <laughs> for a fake now that's product. Success. 
it's glaring and like, yeah, exhausting. Um, so this week, actually just last night, um, there was, so I don't know if you remember the Antoine Rose case, uh, which is like very close to my heart. He was from Pittsburgh and I'm from Pittsburgh and um, I know the neighborhood that he grew up in. So Antoine Rose was a 17-year-old boy who police, East Pittsburgh police stopped after they pulled a car over that they thought had been involved in a drive-by shooting earlier mm-hmm. that day. Um, he, they, The cop pulled him over. He got spooked, as a 17-year-old would do, and got out the car and ran. And um, a, a rookie cop, I think he's like 30, uh, shot him three times, and it's all on video. So mm. someone was in a high-rise apartment building right there, um, and you can see. And, like, I never watch videos like this, but the hard thing is, like, this is literally, like, around the corner from where my nephews live, you right. know? So um, so it's just to, to see this little boy, because that's what you are at 17. Right. Um, laying in the street and then now to know that the man who murdered him was found not guilty um and and then to have the the laughable knowledge that Pittsburgh keeps being voted like the second most livable city in the US right for who was that for for not for us obviously <laughs> and like and the crazy thing is when i looked more into how those ratings happen the number one weighted factor is stability so they mm. say this is a a, a city that feels very stable. There's not a threat of terror. And it's just like, we're watching our babies being shot in the street mm. in the same city that you're swearing is, no is still live. There's no terror. It's terror free. And, and all that I feel is terror. You know, every black man that I grew up loving lives in that city. Mm. And so um, it just is awful. And, you know, I, I talked to my mom about it this morning and you can feel that everyone is sad, but no one is surprised. Right. And it's just like, how many times are you going to be able to murder us on camera? And it's like, whether he did something wrong or not, why is our penalty immediately death? Yep. Terrorists have shot up mosques recently, trains recently, and they are alive mm-hmm. and well. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. That it, yeah. it's obvious that it was like just super I, heavy I, I on my heart that today. Hit home for you. I'm yeah. Sorry that that happened. Like, yeah. In your neighborhood, it just it makes me think of, you know, and I hate to, but it, I go right to Trump and like and what the Department of Justice has been doing when it comes to holding police uh, officers and, and precincts accountable. Um, so when Obama was president. Um, uh, Eric Holder um, and then uh, Loretta Lynch, like they created um, uh, more oversight of of police um, while Obama was in office, and Trump has been systematically like rolling those back, so there's like less DOJ involvement in these mm-hmm. types of situations. And so, I don't know. It just um, that just reminds me, of, and the the theme for me this week. With that story, which I, you know, didn't know about that he that the killer um, got off, and even like I mean, which is obviously like less impactful in com- in comparison because Arlen still has her life, but it just reminds me that what we are doing 
will always be needed. Right. You know, and I and we will not stop like calling attention to things. Right. Like when people, you know, feel like, you know, oh, Black people are playing like identity the politics co- right. and like no. you know why do we need to no the bias about will this? kill us right the bias will kill yeah. us Arlen's still alive and I get that but it's just like the way that you think about us and the way that you treat us and the way that you allow your bias to have an action against us yep. will kill us yep. we're not being dramatic yep that baby's gone yep and so many others. So it's like, yeah, the minute that you don't take a step back from your white privilege and recognize that you're holding us to a different standard, that kills us. Yeah. (laughs) Man. (laughs) Well, I mean, I know you wanted some lighter news. Yes. Let's let's do a bit of lighter news. Yes. So... So Cardi B wants to (laughs) trademark occur. Uh, Wait. (laughs) Occur. So... Yeah, we have to say it now before we can't. I mean... Can we, like, can't we... What, say it? Because... Because she didn't invent it. She didn't invent it. But she made it popular. Did she? In the mainstream. Did she? Who else was saying it? Uh, Every contestant on Drag Race. (laughs) RuPaul, you know. Um, So... I, and listen, I'm totally for. I know. So I know that Cardi also put up an Instagram post where she was like, you know, I'm trying to secure the bag, and there's a lot of ways to get rich in 2019, and this is one of them. And people always ask her to do the okra when she um, when she uh, um, goes to meetings and stuff. And and I did appreciate recently when she did that Pepsi commercial. And I'm not sure if this was her. Suggestion, but they had a they did have a drag queen from uh uh from the show from RuPaul's Drag Race mm-hmm. who was Monet Exchange and the video also and the commercial also doing oh, the, cool. the work. Um, but for her to like want to trademark it, it it doesn't completely sit well with me because there's a for me when you trademark something there is a um there's a it's it's almost like you're implying that. I'm the creator of it. Mm-hmm. And she did not create that. And it existed several years before there was a Cardi B. So mm-hmm. then, and if we are to um, come, if we are to defend other communities, especially our own, who have their uh, culture um, exploited and not given credit to, then I can't comfortably applaud Cardi making money from something that has existed before her and by another like underprivileged community. So who should have trademarked it? Or no one. It just should have been Yeah, it's to me it's just one of those things that is in the culture, is in the zeitgeist. I mean, sure, like RuPaul could probably could have trademarked it. Right. Or, you know, whoever Queen said it first on the show, or whoever, you know, like I'm sure other gay people in the gay community have said it at wherever. Right. Um but to me, there again, what when you trademark something, to me, there's like a suggestion that like I created this, right? You know, and that just was not the case here. Yeah, and it, I don't think it's ever the case mm-hmm. with trademarking, which is why you do it, right? Like mm-hmm. we talked about this with Black Girl Magic. I'm not sure who it is, but okay. recently trademarked Black Girl Magic, but was not the first one to be using it. But she was the first one to trademark it, so she's going to be the one making money off of it. Okay. So I think it's like I, I agree with you, but. Trademarking, I feel like typically they are not the first, they're not the people that created it. I just feel like that's what why people do to us, mm-hmm. you know. And so, like, and she said that in the video. 
but but it, yeah, and then that same breath, there's an acknowledgement that I'm doing something to an underprivileged community that more privileged co- people do to us. Yeah. And so, would you, are you, are she is she okay with that? Would it make it better if she re- if she had seemed to recognize that she got this from the queens in her life? Maybe, but also, are you gonna? Because I, here's the thing: like, I like because we talk about equity on the on the pod, right? And so, I can't comfortably like uh, make a case for equity for you know, for black folks and, you know, when we create and when we, you know, like just like Fortnite, for example, like taking, Mm -hmm. you know, dances that have been popular in the black community or were, you know, created by some kid on Instagram. um, I can't comfortably like do that and demand equity for these young black creators. And then by the same, in the same breath, a few episodes later, like say it's okay, Cardi, that you are not, you know, giving any share of this trademark to other queens. And I don't know what the solution is. I maybe, you know, like a, I don't know if you can split trademarks. I don't, you know, I don't know how, how to go about, you know, how she would go about doing that and divvying that up. Or maybe like, you know, when somebody wants to use her trademark, you know, the money that she would get from that, like also goes to like a certain charity or like, you know, the gay gay men's health crisis, you know, like, yeah, I could see that being a balance, but you're right in that, I haven't heard anything about that being her intention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I just thought the response was a little flippant. And, you know, and this is, again, and this is like how we talk about our faves. Like, this is one of the times where, like, we're like, okay. Yeah. You know, because Cardi was look, never a fave of mine. She wasn't a fave, but I did appreciate how she was talking about the government shutdown and, like, you know, uh, you know she knows her. She She knows how to wield her social media virality for political gain. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was happy to see that. But to me, this is a little bit of a step back from that. So I hope that she, you know, comes back with something uh, akin to what we're suggesting. Yeah. Well, you saw us last night. And I, I feel like that is black excellence. It, it definitely was. It did so well in the box office. Yeah. He broke uh, Jordan Peele, um, who's a, the writer and director, broke records again like he surpassed his own uh opening night for get out um and i think he on because it was it was previewed on thursday and i can't remember the movie he almost beat in terms of like thursday previews but he he has already set records and that's awesome the movie is very well reviewed and lupita acted her ass off how was Winston? Um, you know, my boot was real. Was he beautiful? Uh, he was beautiful. He was funny. He was like the um, the humor of the movie, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I, I saw trending on Twitter this morning, because a lot of people went to see it last night, uh, that um, uh, like they had never seen his thigh action before. So in the Ooh. movie, he's like, he's in boxers. He's like, oh, nice. He's like, th- he's throwing some thigh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but let's not uh, objectify Winston. But um, so yeah, it was a it was a really good movie. It was um, scary. It was uh, uh, deep in a lot of ways, um, and it really made me think. And I know, and I could you could feel like people at the end kind of like wondering what they had just watched. <laughs> um, but sometimes that's a good thing and I feel like that was good for me. Um, and I don't want to like, I guess, spoil it. Yeah, no spoilers. But I I think 
what what everybody is, is in agreement on is that um, the movie kind of holds up this mirror to like the American tendency that the country has to divide and oppress and then like erase people and like mm-hmm. kind of forget about them. And mm-hmm. um, there's a line where, um, you know, so, you know, each main character has like a doppelganger that, mm-hmm. you know, just comes out of nowhere. And um, one, the, in one scene, the little boy is like, who are you people? And um, and Lupita's doppelganger says, we're Americans. Ooh! Yeah. <laughs> it's no! A, it's, the, it's like, to me, one of the best things in the movie. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> and, um, Jordan! <laughs> Wow. And so, like, you know, it, it, the movie, it seems like the movie is intended to remind us that, like, you know, it's us. Like, we're all in this together. Mm. As I chew on it a bit more, that's my gripe. Not my gripe, but I think that, I guess it's more of a caution. Because I think that this kind of, we're all in this together and, like, we're all the same, mm-hmm. you know, and we need to, like, recognize the sameness in each other right. in order to like beat back evil right. you know and beat back Trump I, I, while I see the value in that you know and, and you see people like you know Cory Booker who's running for president talk about this like radical oh love, Rosario Dawson's you know. boyfriend <laughs> yes him <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, shut up <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we never men, men rarely get monikers like that straight men where yeah. it's just like oh blah blah blah's boyfriend Okay. Right. right. I, no, I thought you were gonna say something else. Oh no, um, I don't care about what. Okay, good. What he's doing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we see that you know, and 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 he's been on the stump and like going on talk shows and going on podcasts talking about like this radical love and how we need to see see ourselves and each other, and we do. But I also feel like I don't. I don't. I think there's a danger in. Just pretending that we're all on the same plane. Right. Because we're not. Because we're not. And if we're the same, treat me the same. Exactly. And then why does my sameness have to mean that I forgot how you've treated me? Right. And we need. We also need to be practical and develop like real actionable ways to um, to to combat the specific kind of imp- oppression and like harmfulness that comes our way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we should just acknowledge that this, you know, let's hold hands and, you know, it's all, we can all accomplish it together and let's build bridges and like see each other, um, see ourselves in each other. I just think there are limits to that. And I, and I don't want that to get, I don't want the, the policies that are in place right now. Like we just talked about with, um, uh, with police oversight, right. You know, uh, I don't yeah, want, we can't I, erase. Right. Right. Yeah. No. Um, so those are very real things. And, yeah, that was my... That just had me thinking about after I saw the movie last night. And, yeah. But, you know, on this whole politics vein and then also the idea of not erasing what's happened, mm. uh, your Uncle Joe... My Uncle Joe? Somebody's Uncle Joe... Yeah, my uncle. ...was out and about this week um, clout chasing. Mm. So, Joe Biden... <laughs> clout chasing. Hashtag clout how, chasing. Because, like, what are you doing? Yeah. So, Joe Biden made I don't even it wasn't even an announcement it was like literally him talking saying like well what if I were to run with Stacey Abrams and it's like did Stacey say that that's gonna happen and you haven't even directly said you're gonna run for president so what are we talking about here stop taking Instagram polls on what you're gonna do in 2020 and make a choice and apologize to Anita Hill Mm -hmm. like we haven't forgot that so it's like stop 
climbing on the backs of black wo- on the backs of black women and mm. then pulling a black woman along so that we'll be in agreement. Mm. Don't like mm. it. Don't like what it. What did he just to make sure I, I'm remembering right? What did he what part did he play in the Anita Hill hearings? He was the head he was on the panel at that mm-hmm. point that was asking her questions and like dehuman I mean along with all the other white men that were asking. Yeah. Um dehumanized this person and then said later to cover his own behind years later like Mm. this was recently that he said this that he owes her an apology which which to Anita (laughs) Anita Hill has since said I'm still waiting and she said it's a joke in her house that when someone knocks on the door and they don't know who it is the joke is maybe it's Joe Biden coming (gasps) to apologize Ah! I love Anita Hill (laughs) I love her but it's just like Enough. Yeah. And and Joe Biden being best friends with Obama never changed anything about how I thought about him. Right. Uh, uh hmm. It's tough. No, it's not tough. Um, because I, I can acknowledge that, you know, maybe being I mean, because remember he remember when he was running against Obama in the primaries and he's he said Obama was so articulate. You know? <laughs> Sorry, I, my, so, my eyes like twitching right. today because I've rolled it so, so much. So, like, I can totally see how, you know, um, over his very, very, very long career in politics that he's evolved on some issues and been educated. But this is the same. Like, he was also very, like, pro-mass incarceration. Yeah, he was with the like, super predators he, with the yeah, Clintons. he called predators, like, you know, they said they were too too much, uh, like, sociopaths to, yep. like, be rehabilitated and fought against, like, criminal justice reform yep. and, like, school busing, which could have, like, helped narrow, like, the education and wealth gap. And it's like... Uh, you've made a big mess. You've made a big mess and you were able to, you know, not only be a senator, but also a vice president. Ugh. And are we still making, like, and this is like just pulling away from Biden for a second, but why would, knowing that he has this history, which is very similar to the poli- the previous policies in the 90s that Hillary Clinton had, mm-hmm. why would we like then put forth somebody else, you know, in that same vein when... And this is when I tell you how strong sexism is. Because mm. a lot of these similarities... Bill had, mm. Hillary had, but it's just like we voted Bill in. Then Hillary comes, she's a monster. We can't do it. Look at the emails. Look at the mm-hmm. super predator. Biden was right there, right? But because he's a white man, we're just like, uh. and I think he has like the the most favorable like poll poll <sighs> ratings um, of any of the candidates running right now, just because he's like the most recognizable. Right, he's Obama's bestie. Yeah. And look at him once again <laughs> being held up by a black by a black mm. person's work. I. Mm. Ha- Gross, 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 yeah, gross. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. Stop chasing clout. Do something on the back of yourself for mm. once. And then last thing before we wrap up your business. So did you hear about this Disney and 21st Century Fox merger? I have, and I have very mixed feelings about it. I thought it. the Marvel stuff would make you feel a certain way, but <laughs> you I'm see how scared. see how I lit up. Yeah. Now. It, it so, scares me. Consolidation of media scares me. It does, just similar to how consolidation of tech scares me. Of all of it. Um, but, so, yeah, this, on a fanboy level, um, it makes me very, it, it excites me because... And for us non-nerds, why? Why, why does that matter? Uh, so, I grew up reading Marvel comics, right? I grew up reading specifically the X-Men. Um, the X-Men have always been... Um, uh, so when Fox started, when superhero movies first really started gaining traction, 
X Men was one of the first ones in like in like the two thousands, and it was owned by Fox and Marvel, who did not have like the big, you know, Marvel Studios machine that is this now. Basically, licensed those characters or, or sold the rights to Fox um, to create um, uh, the X Men franchise, and so. Uh, what when what happened was when Marvel got bought by Disney and they had all this money now to um to create the Marvel Cinematic Universe and do Iron Man and Avengers and all these other characters, Fox was like, no, we're holding on to X Men. Like, what's what what you thought? You know, <laughs> this is business. Um, and so what's happened and it what's played out on screen is the X-Men movies have been increasingly crappy mm-hmm. um, while the Marvel Universe has kind of flourished and you see like Black Panther like making a, a gazillion dollars. Mm-hmm. Again, on, on a purely content level, it kind of merges the universes. So maybe like X-Men can now be in, in Avengers movies. You know, maybe Wolverine. Yay. Who, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> maybe Wolverine. I like didn't think about any of this. Can obviously, be in read. the Avengers because he has been in Avengers in the comics. You know, so people are just like happy on that level. Got it. You know, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> it, and it's funny because when I read it, I was just like, man, like just how I feel about Amazon when they buy up everything. Oh yeah. That it it makes us devoid of choice. But mm. I think it's like good. You know, our guest today. Um, Javier Royal, who is a counsel, like entertainment attorney for Viacom, talks to us a lot about content mm-hmm. and just making sure that we're protecting ours. Um, so, yeah, he had a lot to share with us today. So you guys should come on back. Yep. I loved it. Yeah. Okay. So our guest today is Javier Royal, who is counsel of business and legal affairs at Viacom. Um, so we're really excited to have an entertainment attorney in here to kind of just give us the scoop as content creators ourselves. Hi, Hav. Hi, guys. How hey. are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming all the way out here from Jersey. I know. Thank you for having me. You know, you crossed like three rivers I to get a couple to rivers, our studio. Just around the bay. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Pocahontas. Thank you. And also, you're in a dope sweatshirt today that I snuck a picture of and I'm going to put on our Instagram. It's so good. I wore this just for you. Yes. So check out our Insta, guys, because you'll. You'll gag. Um, okay, <laughs> let's get started. So I feel like my top question for you is, I never know. I feel like as a content creator and as someone that is trying to start her own venture, I never think about the legal things until either I hear someone else has gone through it or it's like probably too late. So do you have any like step one before you put anything into the world a checklist of what we should be paying attention to? I don't have a checklist, like items one through 10 um, offhand, but I do think that it's critical that when you're putting together content or you're putting together like a show like this, um, maybe one day you guys move into like a YouTube uh, channel. Speak it. I'm putting that in the universe. (laughs) Um, I think it's really important to think, like as excited as you get about, you know, the creative element, the business component is so important. Everything from, you know, getting your the title of your show cleared to, you know, who you're hiring, um, having uh, adequate contracts or agreement forms in place with various vendors, whether that be the people that you hire to uh 
be your film crew or your sound crew, um, the people that you're buying food from. I mean, I'm thinking mm, about like right all the arms. all the things right. that you um, are going to do on a production level. That requires an agreement of some sort, right. or a best practice would dictate that there would be an agreement in place because. Of course, we all have good intentions, but things go wrong all the time. Yeah. Just in life generally, but especially in business. And in a contract, as you guys know, just sort of protects you from fallout. It sort of dictates, well, if this, then that. Um, and it's sort of, it, it is your insurance policy, um, or the first layer of insurance that you have. So right. I always think about like, yes, 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 this is great. The idea is going to be phenomenal. I can't wait to see it. But... There's a few I's that need dotting, some right. T's that should be crossed. So I just think about my first recommendation would be like call somebody who's a lawyer, and specifically a lawyer who works in the space or spaces that you guys are working in or that you out in the world mm-hmm. are working in because there's 101 different um, elements um, so to put together like, content. So not just like an intellectual property lawyer, but an intellectual property lawyer who works in. Uh, video content. Or, yes. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't even necessarily say that I am, I mean, I definitely have um, experience in IP, but um, you can get very, very specific. You can get super, super expert in um, in the IP lawyer that you are. So I would say like your first stop should be someone who is sort of at the center of things, like on the transactional side, who's putting together deals because someone who does IP doesn't necessarily make deals. No, right. No, about there the are IP lawyers who are reviewing content to, you know, make sure that um, you're not running afoul of certain content laws mm-hmm. that you're not, um, putting yourself at risk of getting some sort of defamation claim, which is super serious. Mm. Um, and um, they are expert in that. Not to say that they that you can't do both, but um, you just need to make sure that whomever you're engaging can, can straddle both worlds. Yeah, And that's what I think is so hard when you're like so grassroots, right? Because we, it's just us doing all of this. <laughs> and so we don't necessarily, even from the IP side about the defamation and making sure that we're not using samples of music that we don't have licensing to. Mm-hmm. And just, those are all the things. And so it can feel so overwhelming to even know where to start or like what could get us in trouble, um, which is, yeah, which I, I think is scary for content creators to 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 not have a team behind us doing those kind of things. Um, so... Yeah. yeah. What ends up happening is we we crowdsource our <laughs> our experts. <laughs> I e I e texting <laughs> texting Hob and saying, oh, we didn't. I don't I don't know if we thought about this part. Uh, can you help us?" So, well, shout out to say, our friends. I will say that um, there are, and I, I apologize for not thinking of them offhand, but there are tons of resources out there for sort of the grassroots content creator where you can access music um, or a library of music for a small fee and that music is cleared for mm-hmm. you know a variety of uses the same with pictures and photos and things like that there are um uh resources out there for people who don't necessarily work at a huge media conglomerate right. um and don't have access to to clearance attorneys and teams of people because there are teams of people who do that stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's just something to think about. If you could offer um, advice to us 
on what a healthy, you know, equity or, or equitable deal looks like for, you know, up and coming creators? What are good questions to ask? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I guess as a content producer, you should be you should be trying to figure out what distributor um, most aligns with your vision for yourself. Um, because I think at the end of the day, um, people, folks like you who are creating things, you know, you want to have ownership and you want to you want to have a voice. You don't want to just necessarily. Um, uh, uh, package something and sell it. Right. Like, you guys want to like be a part of Keep it. Your, so yeah. you really have to find the the partner that's really interested in partnering with you. Um, and that will make that will dictate how everything else unfolds because a, a partner is going to want to you know, see that you're successful is going to want to see that you have the best terms possible. Um, and I guess that also goes to the idea of like, you know, sometimes the best way to make sure you get the best is sometimes you have to like do it at arm's length. So sometimes mm. it means getting a rep. Right. Um, because a, a good rep is going to be able to see the holes that you guys don't right they're going to be able to, i mean that's what they do um whether that's an attorney or right because they're not like personally manager, they're not invested right in the project they're invested in your success right and so that gives them adequate distance to see this as from like the yeah, okay this is you guys are excited about this thing happening right now and you're going to be ready to do whatever sign on the dotted line whereas your rep's going to be like i think you need to be thinking about five years from now mm-hmm. um and what this deal will mean right um in terms of whatever in terms of fees or or like you guys were saying royalties um so i guess that's a piece of advice which very you know, honestly makes my life harder but <laughs> 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 but it also makes my life easier in the sense that like um i don't have to think about like uh, I don't have to think about on the back end, like, oh, this is going to come back um, because mm-hmm. and now in five years they have someone mm-hmm. talking on their brand. And they're going to be unha- unhappy yeah, with the deal. And they're going to be unhappy. Mm-hmm. And I got to, you know, go back. Um, instead, I know, like, no, they were repped. So <laughs> yeah. we did this. Right. We did the dance. Yeah. Um, so we're all good. And that, that's a question I have as because you are a deal maker and negotiator. I think for me, it's in personal life and in business life, it's hard to ask what you're worth all the time, Mm -hmm. whether it be your salary, whether it be a relationship, you know? And Mm -hmm. it's like your job is essentially making sure that people are getting what they're worth. Mm -hmm. Um, And so do you have any advice on kind of just negotiating your work before you finalize a next step? I guess I would say be flexible. Mm. Um, and also, I guess, be prepared, like the closer you are, if I'm understanding your, your question correctly, um, the idea is, um, you have a project that's nascent or in an infant state, right? Yeah. But you, you know, you want to sort of get a buyer or you want to partner with someone to get it out there in the world. Um, I think you need to be really clear about your vision so that 
when you're going into a meeting, when you're stepping into the room with whomever, um, you can really flesh out for them, like, look, mm. this is where I'm at right now, mm-hmm. or this is where we are at That's right good. now. Um, this is where we see this going. We That's good. Wait, you're speaking because you know I feel I'm, I'm like always connecting business to life, and so I feel like that's important in a lot of. Sometimes oh, you need to approach a friendship like this is where I am, this is where I see myself, and like let's have a conversation Can about you get that. Down with that. Can you get and if Our, not, peace. <laughs> Kick, kick rocks. That works in love. <laughs> that works in kick. that works in finance. Oh, I'm sorry to cut you off, but yes. So yeah. So coming to the table and saying this is where we are. A certain level of transparency, I think, is healthy in any uh, relationship, whether that be business or personal. Mm. And it requires transparency. Requires vulnerability, but vulnerability is the space wherein the connection happens, and that is preach where- preacher. That is where that is where you can do, I think, the most building and the most growth. So go in. And the second part to that is in your vulnerability, have a plan for the next step. Right. And, you know, be able to articulate that vision. That goes back to sort of what I, this this next part goes back to what I was saying earlier about finding the right partner to align with. Uh, you will, I think, know the right partner in part because they will recognize your vision and appreciate it and will be excited about helping you to grow it. Um, and then in terms of putting a value on it, that really is just, it's a discussion. You know, any good negotiation is, you know, you come in and say, I think I'm worth X. And I'll come in and say, mm, mm. having taken account, I think of you're worth C. <laughs> Crap. Oh X. Oh, you thought you was worth X. <laughs> you're real I far mean, in the alphabet, honey. You may <laughs> be X in five years, right. but taking into account where we're you your, are, we're not your B. <laughs> right. You're X minus two. <laughs> Knock me down and, the alphabet and a like little the bit. dance is to you know probably end up somewhere like in X minus one or yeah. in between. What advice would you have for us to make sure that all of our projects like have a still unique, but have like a unifying message and vision across all those platforms? But my sense is it's the content creators who are really in tune with their own vision and who are authentic to it and follow that natural through line that are most successful. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I also peeped recently that you uh, coined the term micro-progression <laughs> at a panel. Apparently I Which did. Which is like, hashtag, <laughs> where's your hashtag for that? That's awesome. I, yeah. You should add that to like your bio. And you should also trademark that. Yeah. Uh, thank like, you, lawyer. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Before someone else does it. Shane Watson. Right. Right. Before it shows up on your business pod. Right. Uh, Twitter. Yeah, PM. Hashtag <laughs> microprogression. Um, so break that down for us. What is the concept of microprogression to you? And give us some examples of microprogressions that you've been able to affect within your organization? So that term came up during the course of a Q&A with um, uh, a fairly well-known media personality. And uh, she was visiting um, for a company sort of global summit that we were having. And we were talking she was discussing her experience of, you know, navigating various spaces um, as an African-American woman in predominantly um, 
white spaces, uh, and specifically business spaces. And so it had occurred to me, like, you know, it was really interesting to hear her her story and her talk about how as as she grew in her career and ultimately became a leader in the company that she was work the, working at, how she was able to sort of set the table um, and and you know install people in spaces that previously had they hadn't had access to, um, and I thought that was really powerful as a person of color working in. Uh, corporate space on a pretty large scale. Um, I often find myself sort of like, eh. um, and sometimes I, I, I don't think I'm a leader um, in the way that she was. So I just got to thinking like, oh, you know, like what can, what, what can someone on my scale do? And the idea, something she had said triggered the word microaggression in in my head and I was like so what are the micro progressions we can make against those microaggressions um which as I'm sure your audience is well aware you know microaggressions are those little things mm-hmm. that like don't necessarily yeah, register yeah they seem benign they, but yes yeah they seem benign and they seem like uh you know like unimportant right you know, it, oh it wasn't that big a deal mm-hmm. but it's those little things that sort of like but no that is that was a little way that someone was able to use their privilege or um or whatever what have you uh you know to sort of box you in as a minority of whatever mm-hmm. kind you may identify as so my my thinking is if those if that can be death by a thousand cuts those micro aggressions how can we defend against them with mm-hmm. micro progressions because you know we can't all be uh revolutionaries on a grand scale we can't mm-hmm. all um not to say that we can't strive for that but every day if you're getting nicked at and bit at with these little things I feel like you should be able to sort of like what's the salve what's the ointment mm-hmm. for that like how do you defend against what that what can I do today what can I do I so mm-hmm. to me a micro progression is just that it is the sort of equal and opposite rea- reaction to the microaggressions that we face um, and it can, I love that it, I love <laughs> that I love that concept yeah and, and the idea that it is like what what information can we share today or what thing can we call out today that is going to like you said, kind of heal one of those cuts. Or at least be create a space for, for a healing in the mm-hmm. future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that looks different for everyone. Um, specifically in the corporate space, you know, I think it's it can be anything from um, sitting, um, taking a meeting with someone who is looking for information about, you know, career growth. If you're in a position where, you know, they reach out to you, you know, sit down with them, give them 15, 20 minutes, you know, of what you know. Um, I often feel like, I don't know anything. How can I be of service? And it turns out like, actually, you know a lot. I know a couple things, and like <laughs> one of those things might help this person. Um, for yourself, if if it's your own growth, I think it's like you know I'm not called into all the important meetings or any important meetings necessarily. But if I get wind of one, I think one thing that I can do, and I haven't done this yet, but it's my plan, is like to ask, "Hey, I heard this meeting is happening, and I have some ideas, and you know this may be forward, but can I come?" It can be anything. It can be um, sitting with someone um, and hearing them out and offering the knowledge that you have. It can be, um, you know, asking to be uh, invited to a space where you feel like you can affect some change or at least like can hear what's being discussed. Because I think that's really important. You know, so much of 
our lives professionally and personally seem to happen at us or to us. Um, so whatever uh, mechanism you can find to create some agency for yourself um, to help define the trajectory of, of your life or, you know, the next few events that are going to happen in your life. I think that's a micro progression right. and a micro progression can just, you know, evolve and change into just plain old progression. Right. Which I think ultimately is what we're, I think ultimately that's what my aim would be. Is yeah. To, you know, sort of shape a full on like, wow, this mm. thing changed, but it didn't change because I woke up on a Tuesday and like throughout, like Marie Kondo my whole life <laughs> and threw everything out. Um, but it happened because I was like, oh, I'm going to do this one little thing. Right. Um, and this isn't And this new. one intentional thing. Yeah, this thing. one intentional thing. You and I have talked about kind of the pressure to be an entrepreneur, right? Like yes. sometimes we hear <sighs> like we're just never going to make it if we don't own our own business. And you have a very different thought about that. I think you and I have talked about this, this idea that corporate doesn't always have to be until you own your own thing. I 110% uh support any folks who want to do their own thing, who have an idea um, and they're like, I just want to see this through and see where it goes. Or people who are frustrated with um, the progress or lack of progress they've made in traditional workspaces, corporate America, what have you do it. I don't think, however, that that, that going out and building the next company on your own is necessarily the only way to, you know, stamp yourself with the imprimatur of success. I think that there's nothing wrong with sort of uh, seeing for yourself a corporate uh, trajectory that includes growth. Um, and, you know, that's what I kind of want for myself um, today. Yeah. I, that's not to say that in like 10 years, I'm, right. if y'all invite me back, that I won't be like... Uh, owner and CEO of something. Right. That could very well happen. But right now, I, you know, I kind of really just want to get to the next level in the space that I'm in. Mm -hmm. And I'm, you know, I'm really excited about uh, learning as much as I can in the space that I'm in and growing within that um, and hopefully getting to, a, to the next level and then maybe the next level after that. And after that, um, I, I really don't think that we all have to be the head. There is something mm -hmm. to be said for being the neck. Um, mm -hmm. And you yeah, know, the thing about too many cooks is real. It is. Mm -hmm. It is. And also, I think, and I think, you know, Shane and I were talking about this too, just the idea of like, there's power in not only being a leader, there's power in being leader, leader adjacent um, and sort of, um, you know, helping to affect. Uh, someone else's vision or helping to affect a collective mission of uh, vision. Um, and that for me, I found has always been where I've been most successful. I was never the president of the club or the choir or whatever thing that I was in. I was always the VP um, or some other officer. And I was, I, that isn't to say that I couldn't be an effective leader. It just wasn't what I wanted to do. It wasn't where I felt I could be most effective. I actually thought I was most successful and most effective when I could collaborate with, with other leaders mm -hmm. and sort of say like, yeah, I feel like we can do this thing and this is how I feel like we can most, you know, best do it. Um, I, or, or get behind someone else's vision um, and see it through. Um, which isn't to say that I don't have vision for myself. I do. 
It's just that the, my vision for myself usually includes or involves helping someone else to affect theirs. Um, so that's those are my thoughts. And we need those people too. Right. And I think we need, yes. we need a champion. We need those people. We need we need supporters. We need people who like. I just think about the civil rights movement, like. Dr. King, you know, is always, had, you know, Harold as yeah. the, you know, the, and he was, he, he was the face of that movement uh, or one of many important faces, but there were so many faceless people who helped to really do the legwork that affected the change that that movement was aimed at. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, we absolutely need those people. Those people are no less champions than, you know, Dr. King or Malcolm X or right. whomever. Yeah. We're going to let you go soon because I know you trekked out here. <laughs> um, I would love to hear one takeaway that you have from your corporate life that you've, be, that you've repurposed to enhance your personal life. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Relax. Mm. So... I work in a fairly high pressure environment, mm -hmm. deadline, deadline, deadline. Um, and I'm someone who naturally likes all eyes dotted, all T's crossed, everything put to bed before I can relax. The truth of the matter is I can't always wait for that moment to relax. And I would potentially fall out somewhere if I didn't allow myself to breathe even in the midst of fire. Hmm. So work has given me an opportunity to practice that. Yeah. So things that <laughs> used to make me harried um, or that would keep me up at night, really, I, I don't allow them to anymore. And I focused on work, but I've allowed that to be the case in my personal life as well, where like interactions I would have had with, that I've had with people recently that have 1.0 would have gotten <laughs> worked up about mm -hmm. or would have obsessed over have 2.0 doesn't um because i just know i know i've come to a place where i'm like i know it's going to get done right i know it's going to resolve and resolution may not look like what, what i'm a, envisioning yeah. but it will come to a resolution it will <laughs> be taken important. care of yeah and that's all right right and I, i'm gonna like live to see the next project right and that's also just like a faith and life thing you know like you and i have talked about that it's just like this will pass and the, the passing of it might not look like what i thought or what i wanted but it will pass and then a new thing will come mm -hmm. a new thing will come there will be another project mm -hmm. There will be another deal. Mm -hmm. um, there will be another relationship. There will be another opportunity to excel and grow. There will be a new challenge to uh, to work towards surmounting. And that's fine. Yeah. Ugh, so that's, that's what work taught me. Yeah. I didn't even know work did all that. That's, that's, that's beautiful. Thanks, I'm happy to share yeah. it. Yeah. Thank Hi. you guys so much for having so me. Good. This Thank you so much. exciting and cool. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I love that Hobbs' parting words to us were relax. Yeah. Right? Like, I feel like we're always out here, especially in New York, hustling so hard. And how can you do more? And I'm not doing enough. And, like, all of that is also a very important message. Mm -hmm. But I did just appreciate him saying, like, relax. Mm -hmm. You feel the need to react to everything. Right. But sometimes stillness just helps. Yep.
Yeah, I love that. Um, okay, we're ready for LLC, which is our last segment that stands for learned, loved, canceled. Uh, so what are you LLCing from this week? So I feel like I canceled a lot today. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing's left to cancel. Right. (laughs) Nothing's left to cancel. (laughs) So who I'm loving this week is Jacinda Ardern, who is the Prime Minister of New Zealand. Um, And as you know, New Zealand um, was the uh, country where... um, there was a murder of 50 Muslim worshipers. Mm. You know, this was such a, a tragic incident, but I I loved how quick she was, one, to express sympathy and to um to to make sure that the Muslim community was heard and like knew that she like sympathized and empathized with them. And like when President Trump asked her what he could do to help, she responded, sympathy and love for all Muslim communities, which we know he has not expressed right. because he's tried to ban them and all these other things. Um, but then the other part of what I just loved about what she did was she acted so swiftly to ban all automatic weapons mm-hmm. um, and rifles. And she, <laughs> I mean, I, I wish I could play the video. Maybe we'll include it in the description um but she was just so quick it was like within a minute she just listed all the things that she is banning and she says she's even banning like the parts that cause um guns to fire automatically and then she said well i'm banning parts that are even close to automatic fire so it's just like she she had levels to it and she used she said close to um just so like they knew um that this was serious and yeah. that she ain't playing well i'm guessing and, new zealand doesn't have a billion year old constitution that talks about gun control when guns were muskets right with tiny bullets or a national uh what is it rifle association yeah the national or national rifle association um, that brings so much money to bring so much money to mostly conservative politicians to block every time yep. uh, uh, gun reform right. legislation. Seems like they care about humanity or something. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, so I love that. And this is also, I just wanted to say real quickly, um, uh, right after that, oh my God, this world is so trash. Almost right after that, um, one of the students who survived the Parkland shooting in Florida last year killed herself mm. um, because she had you know she's she suffered from survival school and ptsd um so it it just further highlighted just like how just to me the lie of like american leadership in the world Mm -hmm. you know like yes we you know we're more democratic than most you know nations um than a lot of nations and we you know uh there are a lot of people in the world doing you know worse off than us but this is how you lead empathetically and this is how you put people's welfare and and health and safety before um, uh, corporate interests. Right. So that was my love. So CFDA is the fashion. Um, they do the fashion awards every year. And last year is when um, Kirby Raymond, mm-hmm. Jean, Jean, Jean Raymond, Raymond uh, <laughs> won the fashion fund. And then this year they talked about all the all those nominated and there were zero black women designers Hmm. zero that's gross still progress to be made um but my love this week is (laughs) i don't even know how what to call it but um 
just kind of like facts and receipts. Like mm, I think that I love that I love. <laughs> and so I went uh, this week. I went to see a taping of The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, and uh, you know, during commercial, he talks to the audience, and mm-hmm. he was talking about reparations a lot. And two white audience members felt compelled to raise their hands and both times say, "Well, what about poor?" People, what about in general, poor people in this country? Don't they deserve reparations because of deindustrialization? Another woman rose her hand and said, What about Native Americans? And Trevor was like, What about them? Those are important conversations, but like, we this are talking, talking about, about this about right, right now. now. Exactly. <laughs> and he said, in like the nicest British accent way or South African accent way. Um, no, you're right. British. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, c- colonizers. Col- yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. But that's why I was like, I want to go to the origin. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, yeah, he was like, it's funny that people always get the what about us when we're talking about black America. Mm. And he that's he said it and his face was so like I went with Hav, who was our guest this week. And he we looked we're like, oh, because his face was so he's like, it's just and he he's like, I'm not black American either. Mm. But what I can say is that. I don't hear the squabbles about Native Americans until we start talking about reparations for an atrocity that is still very much existing. And Mm -hmm. he was like, the government did something about Native Americans as shallow and as little as it was. They at least said, we recognize how awful we were. Here's some reservations, which are like, he's like, I'm not saying that that was a good idea, Mm. but they recognized how bad that was and that they need to do something. Reparations has never, that has Never been on the table. Right. Although Lincoln was the one that talked about 40 acres and a mule and then was assassinated. Then the next president mm. came and was like, uh, no, we're <laughs> never doing that. I ain't getting assassinated. Right. And so that's like just the facts and receipts of that made me so happy. And then um, in the same conversation, some white blonde lady at, at Fox News was like, I feel like America should get credit for the fact that we are, we're like the first yeah, country that. to get rid of slavery. And Dr. Bernice King, daughter of the Martin Luther King, was like, funny enough, if you read a history book, you would know we're not the first. We were not the first. A lot of countries did no, it before us. And you don't get a clap for stopping an atrocity that you never right. should have started in the first place. Thing you exactly. Did. Like, and so I just love the facts of it all of them being like but wait we have proof to show that none of this is true what you're talking about right so that was my love this week is just being like dear white privilege Mm. you're speaking out of who knows where but we're speaking out of facts and figures and like we're just gonna keep throwing them at you I love a good receipt I I thought where I thought you were gonna go was like screenshots and emails cause that's Uh, that's that's, but that's the micro oh the micro micro, receipt yeah that's the micro receipt it's like but also, Cause girl, you, you did know, say this. You know I'm a fan of a yes. good. Uh, oh, he. Oh, she said she didn't say that. Right. Oh, but but. And oftentimes I'll screenshot it and then use the markup tool. Have you used that and <laughs> circle. circle it right here? Yeah, just this in case. One, this so one, this that is, you, yeah, too right. long. Don't read. This is the line just right here. Just read this. Yeah, 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 exactly. But yes, claps for receipts. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> All right, that's it for us this week. Thank you guys for coming back. Thank you yet guys. Again. Yes, you can. The oh. sip is strong. Yeah, I have to say that we we'd be doing pretty good with you guys. Just um, steady coming back and oh, coming back, coming we, back. <laughs> we've been doing really good with you guys um, coming back as listeners, and we really appreciate it. Yeah, we and hope tell that your friends. Yes, exactly. Yes, please subscribe, share, yes. uh, rate us. Yes, that helps us get visibility in the. Um, pod marketplace yeah so, um, and you can follow us on instagram and twitter at 
Yo Business Pod, Y-O-B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S-P-O-D. And um, some of what we talked about today, I've been posting, I'll be posting on the Yo Business Instagram. So you should definitely take a look. And you can find me on Twitter at JJ McCorvey, J-J-M-C-C-O-R-V-E-Y. And on Instagram, I don't post a whole lot. But come check me out if you want to get to know me a little better personally. JB Fly, J A Y B F L Y. And I am a new creature on both platforms. So that's A N U creature. All right. Love you guys. Bye. Bye bye.